1: Hi, hey, Changemaker. Thank you so much for joining me today on Grant Writing and Funding. And I'm your podcast host, Holly Rustic, And we have a great, exciting interview for you today. All right, so we do have an interview podcast. And who I'm interviewing today is Boris Hertzlit, And he is the program manager for PTAC, which stands for Procurement and Technical Assistance He is our regional program manager here on the island of Guam and for the regional islands. Although there are P-TACs as we get into our discussion today uh, to let you know there are P-TACs all over the states as well. And these are fantastic areas that are actually funded by grants. And if you are looking to secure any kind of federal contracts, which I recommend all nonprofits actually avail of these access to these federal contracts, then you can actually meet with a PTAC advisor at no cost. So this is amazing. So you have all kinds of great information for you today. It's really, really great. I had such a good conversation with Boris and I just wanted to give you a little of a, a little sneak (laughs) before you listen to it, but it does get a little techie but we do break it down and simplify it as much as possible. And he is the expert on EIN number, DUNS number, SAM, right? All of these things that you need as a nonprofit to actually apply for federal grants. So we're breaking it down He also goes over some of the key areas where he sees a lot of people face barriers in getting their CAGE code, which is through the SAM. So this is really great information. It might sound a little techie, but as you will all have to navigate and get a CAGE code through SAM, if you are looking to apply for federal grants or federal contracts, then you're gonna need to have this information. I also recommend you freelance grant writer. So you freelance grant writers don't tune out right now saying I don't need to hear this. Two reasons you need to hear this today are one, a lot of your clients obviously are nonprofits and they may ask you to assist them with this work. Even if they know they can access PTAC for free, they don't want to do it. This is a lot of admin work. They may hire you, and I have been hired from nonprofits before to help them get their EIN, their DUNS, and their SAM all set up and established. They are willing to pay you because they know if they go to PTECH, they still need to do the work. PTECH will just give them guidance or help them if they run across any problems. But it does take time, it takes getting it done, and there is a process. So you may be hired to do this for nonprofits. And of course, you as a freelance grant writer, you can register with PTAC too. So while you're doing work for your nonprofits, you can also contact PTAC and ask them questions and they will help you out. So if you run into any barriers and you need assistance as well, you have that backup. Number two reason as a freelance grant writer, you need to listen to this podcast. Well, that is because you need to get set up to be able to access federal contracts yourself. Okay, as a freelance for-profit business, you can tap into federal contracts. This is amazing. A lot of federal resources and even state government contracts, okay? They are looking for grant writers. They're looking for grant managers. They're looking for grant training. So they do have to bid this out. They have to put it out. So if you want to be able to tap into these contracts and getting these additional federal and government contracts, then you need to set up your EIN, your DUNS, and your SAM. So please do listen to this if you're a nonprofit or if you're a freelance grant writer, you're gonna get a lot of great tips through this, through our uh, great advice from our expert, Boris Hertzlet. So a little bit more information on Boris before we get into it. He is the program manager, once again, at PTAC, at Guam PTAC, and that's the Procurement Technical Assistance Center, once again. He has a demonstrated history of working in the professional training and coaching industry, and he is skilled in negotiation, budgeting, business planning, operations management, and analytical skills. He has a strong program and project managerial background, and he also has a professional master of business administration, which is a PMBA focused in business admin and management from the University of Guam. He has been the program manager at PTAC for the last seven years, so he has quite a bit of experience. And before that, he was also a counselor at PTAC for a number of years. So he has great great background in business as well as in procurement and helping different businesses and nonprofits actually secure federal contracts and government contracts. So this is great information for you. I was super honored that he came on the show and I've actually utilized him as a resource many times while I'm working through different things for my own company or for the nonprofits that I serve. I actually you know, will ask him, hey, can you have a look at this? Can you make sure this is all like in top shape, right? So I also utilize experts as you should so this is a great conversation. I hope you enjoy the show today and let me know, as always, if you have any questions. Also, make sure you check out the website for this episode and you have all of the show notes located for you because he gives away a lot of links to different resources that you have. Um, we have the links to EIN, to DUNS, to SAM, to PTax regionally, all of that stuff in the show notes. So please visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash one oh one yes hi can you everyone it? welcome we to the past grant, past and podcast. Host, grant writing rustic, and funding episode i'm your host holly rustic and i'm here to help you anyway please make sure you check out the 100th episode with mission of and on my show today but go ahead a very, and visit grantwritingfunding.com forward slash 101 to get all of the links from today's podcast and technical assistance center commonly known as PTAC, and he does amazing amazing work with different contractors even nonprofits because nonprofits can apply for contracts. We're going to talk about that today. In the region of Guam, CNMI, the whole Micronesian area out here. And yeah, it's just really, really cool to see how nonprofits can connect to federal monies and other ways besides just grants. So he's going to be talking all about that today. So thank you so much, Boris, for being on the show today.
0: Oh thank you very much Holly.
1: Yeah it's so exciting. So I've known Boris for quite a while. He's actually been really helpful for me because I'm able to uh, utilize your services as far as like helping out when I run into Issues with DUNS, issues with CAGE code, all of that kind of stuff. Because believe you me, I have run into those issues before. And that's sometimes why I talk about those and why I teach on those too, because I understand how difficult and how paralyzing it can be when you run into that. So you are like my go-to guy (laughs) for that. (laughs) And now you're going to be, so I'm I'm pulling the experts out of my pockets here. (laughs) So we're all you guys that are listening to this today. So this is Boris. He's one of my experts. He's one of my go-to people (laughs) for this. So yeah, so Boris, you just want to kind of talk about what your job actually is, because like procurement and technical and all these terms are kind of thrown out there. Right. Like, can you kind of wrap it up in a nutshell for us? In a
0: nutshell, all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the go on PTAC, uh, we're here in a nutshell, basically, to help businesses, organizations that are going after government contracts. That's the basic thing we do. So the local government and federal government. We assist from start to finish. So of course, you know, to start with the federal government, you need to get a DUNS number, you need to register in SAM, and then we take it all the way to the end. Uh, You know, if you want all the way to uh, bidding on contracts, uh, we assist with proposals and and putting quotes together. Obviously we don't write them for our clients, but they got to do that work. We can uh, give them suggestions and, and give them some tips all the way to getting a debrief, whether you win or lose on your uh, with your proposal or quote yeah so start to finish that's amazing uh, i didn't
1: realize you also did local contracts so you do government of guam
0: yeah we so we do government of guam we're we're so yeah our mission uh our cooperative agreement with defense logistics agency that's what Uh it's specifically for so we don't help with any private sector type stuff strictly Mm. government
1: Okay. Okay. So if it was like the Guam Department of Education that were, was rolling out a bid, you wouldn't necessarily I, help, you would, or you wouldn't help with we that? We
0: would. We would. Okay. Yeah. That's Yeah, because they're, they're local government. So uh, we can okay. help, uh, you know, with any of the red tape, especially like Gov. Guam, you need to file a bunch of uh, affidavits when you submit a bid. There's probably like 10 yeah. different affidavits you got to submit and they got to be notarized and things like that. So we can <laughs> help people with that process.
1: Oh, I love that. Okay. I just thought you guys are federal. So now I have, you. I'm I'm going to be calling you more often. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good to get a second look at things. You know what I mean? Because as we go through and just to make sure Because as we talk about with grants, and this is the same as contracts, is if you forget one of those affidavits, if you bypass or just, oh my gosh, I forgot to attach that or get it notarized, you can get kicked out. They have the option not to actually even look at it. And you put a lot of work in that. Yeah. So it's always good to get another look and to make sure.
0: And that's how we look at it. I mean, our services are no charge. So you might as well use this as a second set of eyes, you know?
1: I love that. And it's, he's free. That's awesome. Because you're government funded. So you're, right, you're right. funded all under a forward. grant. Right.
0: It's all right? paid for the yeah. tax dollars already. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you've actually already paid for us. So you might as well use us. Yeah.
1: I love that. So this is kind of an interesting kind of paradigm because we're talking about grants, but you're also grant funded. So those of you who are listening. use your grant funded sources that are out there that are (laughs) available to you at no charge right because they're funded through a grant so yeah so that's awesome but I love what you do then so you actually you look at things and to really kind of pull back to where I see a lot of people um, that may be listening they come to me asking me it's really in the beginning and we can touch on like at the closure you know all of that kind of stuff too but in the beginning is where people you know they're starting a nonprofit they want to get set up or they're not sure or they want to apply for federal grants and they just have Haven't done the work to know what to do yet so how do they kind like how would you walk someone through the door that's like okay I want to start I'm starting this nonprofit it's just already kind of maybe they got their 501c3 but now they need to go through the the steps of actually being able to apply for federal grants and contracts
0: yeah so I mean you got to start to me with the name I mean (laughs) most people don't even think about the name of their company or nonprofit but that's a big thing because that's where it all starts, right? When you apply mm. for your EIN, mm-hmm. you got to put the name in, right? And it all mm-hmm. has to match. All these documents need to match. The EIN needs to match your business license or your incorporation certificate or your. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not sure what it's called for a nonprofit. Uh, the the Five hundred one c three.
1: The articles of incorporation. Oh, yeah, the articles bylaws, of incorporation.
0: Yep. Yeah. So. That name there is the start mm-hmm. because if you go to Dunn's and try to get a Dunn's number and you're off by one letter in your name, like, uh, or or maybe you put Inc. I N C. on your Dunn's application, but on your corporation documents it says incorporation spelled out. When it gets to Sam, it's not going to get approved. You're going to have to change that. Mm-hmm. So it really it starts way way at the beginning with how you name it, and you have to make sure all your pieces of paper match. The name is perfect on everything.
1: This is so good because I have yeah. run into that problem multiple times with nonprofits. Right. They have like exactly what you're saying. They have name of nonprofit, comma, inc. on something, right? right? And then on something else, they have name of nonprofit, and then something else, they have name of nonprofit, comma, incorporated spelled out. So it's all different. And then I, we've gotten to the the cage code part. We've gotten to the dunce part. We've gotten back. We've had yep. it's it's actually set back months. Sometimes, you know what I mean, right. like yeah. to actually, it can be a yeah, problem. it can
0: be a nightmare. It can it.
1: be. Yeah. They can miss a grant deadline like that because they don't right. have that prepared, right? So that's one of the first things I'm like, you need to make sure where you have everything active, right? All of your cage code active, and your SAM. You have everything active, and right. then we'll make sure we look at the grant.
0: So, oh, so the yeah, yeah so the key to that is organization. Whoever mm-hmm. whoever's putting this grant together needs to be an organized person. Yeah. Because everything needs to match. And just one little letter off could just throw, uh, you know, a wrench in your plans. And like you said, you could miss a deadline. And that would yeah. Be horrible.
1: yeah, it could be. They could end up paying a grant writer. And then the grant, you know, they go to submit and they're not current. And, you know, they, they're not able to, they think they can just get their, their cage code through Sam, like in a day. And it doesn't take a day. It takes a lot longer than that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. Right. And I've right. seen this happen. I really have. So it can be a lot of just you know, unfortunate kind of circumstances just by not being prepared and organized like you're saying. Right. So once they get organized and once they say, okay, our articles of incorporation say this name, we've also submitted that to our duns. Also, we, we have this in our cage code, right? We This is how we uploaded it on SAM. So everything right. matches and it's all the same. The other thing too, I've seen is addresses throw people off. Can
0: you talk yeah. about that
1: a little bit too? So mm-hmm. yeah,
0: especially out here. Yeah. So to, to, um, when you apply for your DUNS number, you need to put mm-hmm. a physical address.
1: It's mm-hmm. not gonna
0: take a PO box or a PMB, private mailbox. I mean, it may accept it, but once you get to SAM, SAM will reject. It. Okay. So okay. Uh, you need a physical address. And that's uh, you know not a big deal in the US, probably in the mm-hmm. 50 states. But on Guam, it's not that much of a big deal either. But when we're helping people like in Saipan, Tinian, and Rota, where buildings don't have numbers, mm-hmm. uh, no house has a number, and so you just live on whatever street, and that's it. Well, it wow. could be 20, 30 buildings on that street, so technically mm-hmm. they all have the same address, and that's going to look kind of strange to Duns when they're issuing Dunn's numbers. So yeah, there are some challenges there. No, There's a little that's, trick we do to okay. get around that. Mm-hmm. That that challenge, okay, that? especially in the CMI. So mm-hmm. what we tell everyone in the CMI has a PO box, right? and it usually starts with a one zero zero two three or something like that, or five zero zero two three, something like that. So we just tell them, you know what, if you live on Beach Road with 50, hundred other people, under hundred other businesses, just mm-hmm. put your PO box number in the front. So if your PO box is 50123, put 50123 mm-hmm. Beach Road oh. and it works. It works. It gets you a Dunn's number and gets you in the system.
1: That's interesting. Very, very cool. Yeah. Because even here on Guam, we do use a lot of post office box. Like you said, there's not a lot of direct mail delivery to your house. No, there isn't Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting, right. so you could do the same thing here.
0: Yeah, but, uh, you know, in Guam, most places, most buildings have Have a number.
1: Number, yeah. Yeah, So
0: we don't really have that bad of an issue compared to the CNMI.
1: So with the address, that being said, so a lot of nonprofits, as they're starting up, they don't have an office space, like a physical office space. They're starting just like as a board member and volunteering. So they can just use their home address. Sure. How would you... It would you think it would be the chairperson or president that uses their home? And when their board then rolls over, they would just have to be aware of that same address. So yeah, you got to keep your be address pretty thing.
0: consistent, but you can change it. I mean, once okay. if, if you move, you, in fact, if you move, you're supposed to let the government know that you moved and you're supposed to change it. So you can do that.
1: And that would just be going through your SAM or would you have to go through your DUNS
0: you cannot change the physical address in SAM. Okay. It won't let you. When you and, and most people who work with Sam, when you get to that section, that area is grayed out. So you have to change it at Duns and wait a couple of days. Well, for people out here on Guam, the CNMI, wait a couple of days. And then there's a little button on this on the Duns. I think it's called the. D&B matching information, something like that in SAM. Mm -hmm. And on that screen, there's a little button that says refresh D&B data. And if you click that button, it'll search for the D&B computer, pull that information over and update the address. But you can't actually type it it in yourself. You have to let the computer do that for you.
1: Interesting, okay. Okay, so if you do move, then if you do have, like, all of a sudden now you have a physical location for your nonprofit, then you could go ahead and update that in DUNS. And then DUNS would, and then you would have to make sure to click refresh, and then DUNS would automatically send that to Sam at some point.
0: Correct, correct. Okay. Takes a little time. So that's good. And sometimes (laughs) it's not perfect, but... Just uh, keep trying. <laughs>
1: right. What I, what I do like about Sam, they seem very responsive with phone. Like if you need to call and physically talk to somebody, they do. there is somebody actually available on the phone. So that that's quite nice. And even through Dunn's, it just depends once again, and this is unique to Guam and to our area, but we go through actually Australia, Dunn's and Street through Australia. So it's a Which different company. We
0: can, we can even add another wrinkle to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dunn and brad street australia is <laughs> is no longer issuing the Dunn's number they were bought by a company called ilion so, and they only bought it. the Dunn and brad street australia they didn't buy Dunn and brad street worldwide
1: uh <laughs> but, is it, is it, so, do but they, are the, they uniformed though they're using the same
0: servers and, and they're okay. using the same program so it's this process is still the same but uh, okay. yeah, it's interesting that we get our Duns numbers not from Duns and Bradstreet; we get it from Ilion.
1: Yeah, it's it's super complicated. It really yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a totally different process. So if you're on Guam, yeah, like utilize Boris right there. <laughs> so, there you go. There you go. Because yeah. it's complicated. But uh, yeah, and then if you're in the states, it's a lot easier because I'm you can go it. through. Yeah. yeah, you can go through Duns in the states. Yep. Now, okay, so Duns and Bradstreet. That it's called actually the Duns is a data. Universal numbering system, correct?
0: That's correct. Yeah. Okay.
1: Great. All right. So that's what that means. That's what we keep referring to. So that is an acronym, and you're going to hear lots of acronyms with grant writing, but in contracts. But yeah, so basically it's a number that you need. So what is so important about this number? Let's kind of like rewind and bring it back. So people there. are like, what are they talking about? Why do we need this? So what is the data universal numbering system important it's, for or otherwise known as? It's
0: basically just a, an identifier for your organization. Okay. And you will need it in the next database you need to register in, which is the SAM, the System for Award Management. Without it, okay, so that's is the first
1: one. Yeah. Yeah. So the, fr- the first question it
0: asks you after you set up your SAM account and now you want to register your organization is what is your DUNS number? And you, okay. because the DUNS uh, is supposed to be vetting your physical address and vetting if you're actually in existence and things like that. But as we've seen, so- realistically, what happens is SAM does all that vetting or CAGE does all that vetting. But okay. DUNS, the purpose of the DUNS number was for them to do that.
1: But before you even have to get DUNS, you need your EIN. So can yeah, you kind of explain, your ID, yeah. that's your tax ID number, right? right?
0: Your employer identification number, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes They're they call close. it TIN, tax okay. taxpayer identification number, but it's, it's okay. all the same thing. It comes from IRS. Yeah.
1: And that one is actually the easiest of all of them to get sorted. It's
0: super simple. You can get in like super five easy. minutes. Yeah.
1: yeah. And we'll have links to you guys in the show yeah. notes to these different places. So, yeah. <laughs> so but that's EIN, right. super easy. You can do that within a matter of minutes, all online. And it's you're good. You're like, okay, now I have my tax ID. And then you move over into your actual DUNS number. So that's in your identifier, your data universal numbering system to identify your address and make sure you're legit. Like you actually have a nonprofit or a business, and then you have to move on to the next one, which is the SAMS. And that's the systems award management system. System for award
0: management. Yeah.
1: Okay, I was right, hey, hey. okay, these years (laughs) have paid off. Okay, and then (laughs) we use acronyms all the time. I forget what they actually stand for. It's kind of funny like that, but that's the way it is. All right, so you're SAM, and that's what all, so you as a nonprofit will need all of these systems as well. And even when you apply for a grant through uh, grants.gov and Workspace, they're gonna ask you what's your DUNS straight up to. That's right. going to be one of the first questions. So as you go through and you have your SAM then, so can you kind of talk about, let's go into it now that you're eligible to get all enrolled on SAM, how does that work and why is that important to have?
0: Okay, so SAM is a database of any business or organization that wants to work with the U.S. federal government worldwide. So if you want to get a grant, you want to get a contract, you have to be registered in the SAM database. I mean, that's the purpose of it. And uh, what the database does, it, it categorizes you. So there's questions. Uh, when it, so let's speak from the contracting point of view. There's questions like, what type of business are you? Are you for-profit, non-profit? What type of ownership is it? Minority owned? Are there any economic disadvantages of the ownership? Are you a small business or not? So the, the purpose of the database is to basically put, all, put you into categories.
1: Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm.
0: government loves categories because the government li- loves to put out reports and statistics. So that's where all this information leads to. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, and then it'll ask you questions about the ownership of the, of the organization right, or the company. Make sure nobody, uh, any of the owners are, are bad people, as, as they would say, right? nobody's indicted. There's no delinquent federal taxes, things like that. Because you know, if you have that kind of stuff going on, then you're not supposed to be getting contracts and grants from the federal government. Right. You're supposed to be a responsible organization. And then there's point of contact information. It's basically about four different sections and all that data is used to categorize your organization for different government okay. reports. Yeah.
1: Right. And what are some of the stumbling blocks that you see people have as they go through registering on the SAM system?
0: So basically it's at the beginning, um, not mm-hmm. getting their um, name accurate okay. or maybe the address was incorrect. So so what will happen is, uh, let's say you put in, I you know, I'm going to go with uh, 123 Main Street, right? Or that's mm-hmm. where our organization is located, 123 Main Street. Right. But your corporation documents say 123 Elm Street, or or maybe it says 123 Main ST instead of spelled out street. Yes, even that nitty gritty. Right? So yeah. when, the cage, when the cage code people are doing the research, DLA, they're the ones who issue those cage codes. They'll say, hey, you know what? We don't think this address is accurate. And they'll send you an email and they'll want something from your local tax department that says yes this company exists and yes they're at this address and okay. they give you five days to get that
1: that's document. it five five, so, five business or,
0: yeah. or else they uh you know return the record back to sam then you kind of have to start the process over again so it's not a fun thing yeah and, and then yeah. the kicker on guam is if you want that document the local guam revenue tax takes 10 days to get it to you
1: so yeah it's like you almost so are gonna have to restart beforehand.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have everything
1: ready. Just right, in case. Just
0: in case. Exactly.
1: But yeah. What about the notarized letter? Can you talk okay, about so, that? So the bit?
0: notarized letter, Sam had an issue a couple of years ago. Uh they were hacked mm-hmm. a few times. And when you're putting information in Sam, you know you have to put in your bank account. Right? Because mm-hmm. if you were to get mm-hmm. a, a contract or awarded a grant, it'll be directly deposited to whatever banking information you put in Sam.
1: Which is so sweet. A years, yeah.
0: So a couple of years ago, some hackers got in there and they were uh changing bank account numbers, basically. So people were saying, would call, um, I'm going to speak from the contracting side now. They, they would say, they would call the DFAS, which is the Defense Finance and Accounting Services and say, hey, I didn't get my payment. DFAS would pull it up on their computer and say, yes, we paid you uh, on this day and this much. And then they'd the say, nope. vendor would say, no, I never got my payment. So, well, you better check your SAM account. What's going on? They'd log into their SAM account and they'd see that the bank account is not their bank account. So Ow. To try to uh, alleviate this and make sure it doesn't happen again, SAM did two things. They said, well, there's no more just user ID and password. We're mm-hmm. also going to have two-factor authentication. So when you log into SAM, not only will you have to put in your password, we're also going to have to send you text message, or you're going to have to maybe use an authorization app or some kind of secondary code to get in. And then secondly, there can only be one administrator of the SAM account. And that person needs to be authorized by the organization to be the administrator, and that requires us to have a notarized letter on file. And that's Mm why you only need to do it once. Some people were under Mm -hmm. the misconception that they have to turn this notarized letter annually because you have Mm -hmm. to renew your SAM account annually. But no, you just have to do it once for the organization, and that's it. That person is now in charge of the the SAM process. Okay, That's why it all came about
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all these other steps and that's important that they've, I mean, that's huge, right? People, I mean, hackers like getting in there and taking Uh money, like that's very interesting, but um, yeah. So they have to have this done. Right. But at the same time, when you're going through, This whole process, right, of getting your SAM and making sure that you're signing up and everything. Well, just to go ahead and, I guess, to clarify, too, because another thing that was happening at the same time, or it's been happening, is there was people sending out a thing saying, hey, to get your SAM number done, to log into SAM, there's a charge. You have to pay this much money. So that was another hack going on to all of the emails, right? Mm -hmm. So just to let people know, this is an entirely free Process. If you okay. ever have people asking you for money to do, unless you're paying a consultant to like help you get set up, that's another thing. But Sam will never email you saying, okay, your annual thing is ready. Now you have to pay. You right. never have to pay. Right. So a lot of people have been suckered into paying, and that's yeah, been a so, whole scam as well. Yeah, so yeah. even your EIN, your DUNS, your SAM, free. So you can do this if you want by yourself and note they will never ask you for money but the other yeah. thing too is just to remind people because that message will go straight to a lot of people's phones that double auth- how- <laughs> when it authorizes you again factor, right two the two factor yeah. yeah the two factor all right so um you need to have the phone number, the right phone number. So if you, you put a in an old yeah. phone number, yeah. If you put in a landline or an old phone number, you know what I mean? Then it's going to go to that number and you're not going to get it. So you need to make sure that you do have a cell phone that is yours that you're using. Well, so you can make sure that it's not going to even like your consultant's phone. And all of a sudden you're trying to get into right. Sam or whatnot. So just to make sure that the phone number you're using is for the person who's actually doing all of your Sam stuff um, that's, is that's really That's a important. good idea, yeah. And the email and, address.
0: And the other <laughs> thing is uh, the, the phone in the States, it can be a landline. Because they'll, okay. they'll just, they'll just uh, set a computer voice will give you the code. Oh, Unfortunately, that okay. doesn't work I always get walk. text
1: messages. Okay. Yeah, on Guam the CNMI
0: only the text message option works. The computer oh, okay. voice over the phone won't work out here.
1: Okay. Okay. So that's thank you for that clarification. Yeah, so yeah, are sure. in the States, it can be a landline, but yeah, in other places you might need a, a cell phone. So it can either call sure. you in the States or text. Here it only texts. So. But you, you um, also but yeah. mentioned,
0: you mentioned an important thing there. It should be one person because yeah. I've helped a lot of organizations and they, they'll do, they'll be, you know, the accountant setting up the mm-hmm. SAM and they'll use their email address, but they'll use the president's phone number or mm-hmm. they'll use the president's email address and their own phone number. So it's just, and I don't know why that is, why people don't want to keep it all just at one person, but it, it's really a lot easier if you use one person's email address and that yeah. same person's phone number uh, to just make right. it
1: no, yeah, that's, that's really a good point too, because I've seen the same thing. And uh, because what it is, is it looks like a lot of admin work, right? right? This is a lot of admin work to get this stuff set up. It's going to take you a few hours to get all of this stuff really done. Right. So, right. or it can it can take, you know, it's take you a couple hours. So it's going to, so a lot of times the executive directors or, you know, the presidents or whatnot they're going to shift it to their admin people and then their admin people are going to get confused because it is that authorized official that it's supposed to go to and when they send then you have to renew it's your annual subscription of course you don't have to pay for it remember but they will send you a reminder like you have to renew who is it going to go to who is you know what i mean like who is the person that should be taking care of this when you submit grants? who is the person that is going to be available to get logged in, right? And to make sure that it's going to their cell phone and all that, or whatever their landline, you know what I mean? To make sure that you have that one direct person who's very responsible. So a lot of times this will go to an admin person, nothing wrong with that, but that admin person needs to know and they need to be available. So I do recommend a lot of times it does go to the executive director so they know what's going on, right? And so that they can kind of be in charge of this. Sometimes consultants will set up another email address and that sort of thing. The only thing wrong with that is unless they forward emails from the email address that they set up and change the phone number. If you're not hiring that consultant anymore, that consultant may not pay attention at all. So then you're going to miss out on your renewals and everything. So it is important to have something kind of more internally built up. Definitely. Yeah. And to think of this as a part of, you know, your executive director, yeah, you can have some support, but it it should be one of your main functions to oversee and to not let anything slip through the cracks, if you will. Right. So if you're the one who's going to be responsible, actually hitting that send button and submit for the grants and it should be you right where your final kind of approval, then this should really all be under you. So yeah, I think that's important just to kind of mention. So I'm I'm glad you kind of touched on that too. So yeah, so what happens then in the renewal process? Like, do, what what so, all do they have
0: to do then? It's an annual renewal. So every year you mm-hmm. have to renew your, um, they call it an entity registration in SAM, right? You don't have to renew your SAM account, but because you have a company or an organization in there, which they refer to as an entity, that entity's data has to be renewed annually. Mm-hmm. So it's no big deal. On the annual renewal, uh, you just log in, click on your company's name, and all the answers you had from the previous year are there so you're just kind of clicking next 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 on the different pages till you get to the end and you submit but so if anything's changed sure you, you can just it. update it yeah
1: through do you have to update most of it through duns or no, no. just your thing, address
0: yeah just changing your address has to be done through duns but uh, all the other information you can change inside sam so if you have to change uh, i don't know a Nakes code or you got to change a point of contact or you got to change an answer to a question because you have a different certification now or something. You can do that all inside, Sam.
1: Cool. And can we just talk about those two things for a minute? NAICS code and then certifications. So as far as like small business, like, can you just check that box? But first, if we could go into uh, NAICS, like, what, when they see that, they, oh my gosh, what is this? You know what I mean? Like a lot of times, what are these codes and what do those mean? Like you're saying, there's all these categories. And yeah,
0: yeah. That, that's that's more, more of that, more of the categorization, <laughs> yeah. So the next yeah. code stands for the North American Industry Classification System Code.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's basically a six-digit code of any product or service that you would be um, selling to the government. You can go to the, it's all on the census website. So if you go to the mm-hmm. census.gov and, or just type in NAICS, mm-hmm. NAICS codes, it'll lead you straight to that website. And you can just type in a keyword like, um I don't know, janitorial, plumbing, whatever, and it'll tell you, it'll give you a choice of codes. And so in SAM, you have to at least put in one NAICS code because one, you have to have a primary job function that your company, mm-hmm. primary uh, source of income for your organization. So and it's the same for um grantees as well. Uh, put yeah.
1: yeah yeah and just to touch on this real briefly um even not just nonprofits applying for this but uh, freelance grant writers who want to do this as well right yeah. so you want to make sure that you can avail of this and there are a lot of like grant management positions that the federal government is hiring and consulting and that sort of thing so as you move through this there are next codes that say for consulting and right. they have like administration and it's not just all like construction so yeah there's a lot of right, that right. in there but there's there's different types yeah of kind there's different types of jobs that they give that they award right contracts that yeah. they award yeah everything so, is, everything's
0: in those codes those codes cover everything it's amazing
1: right and then, if you are bidding on a contract that comes out, so a lot of the contracts will say. Then, so we're not looking at grants necessarily, we're looking at contracts, and they say this is the next code. Like a lot of times, they'll tell you what the next code is for that contract. Right, right. You just can go into your SAM and then up include that next code if you don't have that one.
0: That that you can, um, but that's mm-hmm. a. That's another one of those myths, I think. Um, People believe Mm -hmm. that if the NAICS code is not in their SAM profile, then they cannot bid on that solicitation. Mm -hmm. That's untrue, that's totally untrue. Once you get your CAGE code, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole reason we're getting ourselves in this SAM database is is because we either want to sell our product or service to the government, or you want to receive a grant from the government, right? Mm -hmm. Once we're actually active, the government will issue us our cage code, right? Commercial mm-hmm. and government entity code. Once you have that, you can bid on anything you want and you can pretty much apply for anything you want. Mm-hmm. NAICS code is irrelevant. Oh,
1: yeah. that's good to know. So, so, so it's the just NAICS
0: kind of is, Yeah, the, the reason it's on the solicitation is because. <laughs> to
1: confuse you. <laughs> no, <just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, of course. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the reason it's on the solicitation is again for categorization. So not only does it tell. Um, the government, what this product or service, what category it falls into that they're trying to purchase, and also if it's the solicitation is set aside maybe for small business only. Each NAICS code has a small business limit. So okay. if you were, let's say, the small business limit was a million dollars. So if your company mm-hmm. is has annual sales over a million dollars, then you're no longer a small business in that NAICS code.
1: I see. Okay. So
0: so that and you would not be able to bid on that.
1: Okay, so it's kind of how they allocate their money, the federal government. Say, of, we yeah, have, yeah. yeah, we have this money for this type of service, for this type of product, and it gives them a good idea of how they're spending down their money.
0: Right, and, and it gives us to in the public because you can go yeah. to certain other databases and, and download reports and see where the money is being spent, which NACE codes are the most popular and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So yeah, so don't get stumbled on that, but just select no. something, and it shows you, it gives you a whole list of different things that you can select from. And right. then, as far as certification, now you had mentioned this. If you're a small business-owned company, there's HubZone, there's woman-owned, there's veteran, disabled, right? There's, so there's different things. Now, can you just go in and click and say, "I'm I'm a woman-owned business," right? It's me. I own my business. So yes. I'm a woman-owned business. Click, or do you have to do some kind of certification?
0: Yeah, so it's different. Mm-hmm. It all depends. <laughs> so <laughs> let's take the woman-owned. The woman-owned okay. currently, uh, maybe not in the next six months, it might change, and there are plans mm-hmm. to have it changed, but currently it's a self-certification. Okay, so to I could Sam say- And check a box, I'm a, a woman-owned,
1: woman. right? Okay. <laughs>
0: However, there is another database. The SBA has a database called certify.sba.gov. And on that website, you set up your account, and if you are claiming woman-owned in SAM, then you have to upload some documents to that database, maybe like the Articles of Incorporation and um, a proof of U.S. U.S. citizenship, like your passport or something like that. And I think maybe even a resume. I'm not sure if that's required or not, but it, it might be. And that stuff just needs to sit there. I don't want to get through the whole process. It's, just, it's a convoluted process of how the government proves you're woman-owned. But let's right. just say you can't just check the box. You also have to upload some documents
1: which makes sense right yeah. i mean yeah and then that's for any of those right you have to go through these different it right. depends well, on what yeah. you're so, selecting so mm-hmm. the service
0: disabled veteran and the woman-owned are self-certifications okay okay so the hub zone and the 8a named for the uh, section 8a in the small business act those two are actual official sba small business administration certifications and there's a process mm-hmm. to those and you, you upload information to websites and they review it and it takes time and, and things like that. So.
1: And it is a very robust, uh, people are always excited when they get their hub zone. They're always right. excited when they, they get, you know, it is, it's a process, but once you get that, then you are able to uh, apply for certain contracts, right? That you correct. couldn't before um, right. without that or, and they have, so they have monies that are set aside specifically for those types of businesses, right? That's correct, yeah. So that's really important to get because then you can apply for more. You're more competitive for certain things. And that's a lot to do with your, I'm not really familiar with everything it has to do with. Is, is it mostly to do with how much income, like your revenue on those? Yeah, or so, is it
0: well, yeah small business, uh, all those NAICS codes, right? They have a different yeah. revenue limit or an employee limit, depending on which NAICS code it is. So the 8A, the hub zone. I mean the 8A, the woman owned, well, yeah, they all have the the limits on the NAICS codes uh, as to what level, you know, if you're doing a million, two million, five million, whatever. The hub zone program, though, is more concerned with location. Okay. So the business okay. and the employees have to uh, work and reside in a hub zone. And there's a map okay. of the entire U.S. and where the hub zones are. And, and good for Guam and the CNMI that all the islands are hub zones. So.
1: Okay. Are it's these a- generally lower income areas or lower? Yeah,
0: hub zones have okay. for historically... Uh, underutilized business zone.
1: Okay. So there are zones in the United States as well.
0: There are plenty of zones in the United yeah. States, but you know, yeah. so it's a little more difficult to get it in the United States because you could be uh, in, let's say, Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles is probably a bad example. Somewhere in California, uh, mm-hmm. and one side of the street would be a hub zone, the other side's not.
1: Okay. So you get the address of the person. So, the
0: <laughs> and it depends where your employees live. You
1: know, I see. Okay. Them, at okay.
0: least 35% of them need to reside in a hub zone. So if your employees all live, okay, not in a hub zone, then you're not going to get it.
1: Okay. And these would be, I mean, if you're if you're a, say a nonprofit and your board yeah. is basically you're not you don't have employees, you just have a board. So that might be a little bit easier or more difficult because well, you
0: don't. So I don't. I mean, I don't have to double check, but I believe if you mm-hmm. check the box in Sam that you're a nonprofit, which grand- yeah. You wouldn't qualify for any of those. The woman, oh, okay, the, yeah, I mean, just because a non nonprofit is not considered a small business,
1: okay, it's, it's like its own small thing.
0: Other than okay, small what they call
1: it, okay, but as a freelance grant writer, definitely
0: figure well, yeah, out that would be where a private you are. Business. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you can apply for and and okay. And now as a as a nonprofit, you can apply for both these contracts. Maybe not a hub zone, but you can apply for federal right. contracts because sometimes the federal government does give preference to nonprofits over businesses for certain types of work, right? So you might look right. at that and say they're doing some kind of research project and your nonprofit is perfect to do that or some kind of service that your nonprofit can do. And I definitely recommend that people with nonprofits do have some kind of product or service that they can offer to offset not just grants, but also contracts coming in the door. And sometimes that is a service that they offer naturally through their their nonprofit programs. But um, there is a box and we had talked about this before we started. And I said, let's definitely mention this, so please mention like because a lot of I get a lot of questions too do I click this do I not like I don't know like does it doesn't make it more complicated so there's a box to click if you're only a nonprofit applying for are you're only going to be applying for grants or you're applying for grants and contracts right right so you say do the one for both obviously yeah. but there's just yeah. a few more steps can you kind of talk about that a little bit
0: yeah so that box exists both at duns when you're applying for the duns number there's a little box there that says are you want do you want to be a federal contractor do you want to be a federal grantee or both so we always tell everyone just click both because yeah you might be a contractor right now but you might want to apply for a grant one day who knows or you might be mm-hmm. applying for grants only right now but you might get a contract or want to get a contract check the both box uh, you know and a good example of that is um University of Guam, right? Mm-hmm. They're a nonprofit, but they have contracts with the federal government yeah. because they check the both box. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so they've won contracts. They do a lot of contracts, especially when it comes to um, conservation and, and uh, plants and, and things like that. And marine biology, that's a big one. Oh, yeah. So in SAM, there's also uh, an area where when you're first setting up your account, it says, again, do you, are you only going after contracts or are you going after grants or do you want to do both? Always select the both. And then, okay. you know, when you do that, you will have to answer more questions in Sam, okay. and especially you'll have to answer some strange questions that really don't apply to nonprofits and, and organizations like that.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: um, you know, that's why we're here. We're here to help you with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. Uh, and I love that. So people yeah. can get your services um, in this region that we're, that you're located in. Yeah. But are there other agencies like yours in the states where people can tap into free resources?
0: Oh, yeah, so you know, it's a tough situation for. So, so okay, so uh, full disclosure: our um, grant, or not's not even a grant, our cooperative agreement with DLA okay. allows mm-hmm. us to assist companies that are going after federal contracts. Okay. Not.
1: Mm-hmm. Not We grant, can assist companies that
0: are going after grants, but we'd have to do that on our own time. We wouldn't oh, okay. be able to charge that time to DLA.
1: I see. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know,
0: I do that on the weekends and, and off when I'm not at work, I, I'll help people with uh, getting the done. Yeah, you're
1: great, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> you're wonderful. Yeah, no, it, it is good. But there are agencies across the states that help with federal contracts as well, like yours, that are federally funded.
0: Oh, yeah. PTAC is a is a nationwide program. There are ninety 94 PTACs across the country. Every state wow, okay. has multiple PTACs pretty much because we all have a coverage area. So like for the Guam PTAC, mm-hmm. we cover Guam and the CNMI. And, and here's some news. Uh, CNMI is, uh, they uh, our, our PTAC grant application is a two-part application and they turned in their first part. So they're trying to get their own PTAC for the, oh, for the Interesting. CNMI.
1: interesting. Yeah. And that That's makes really sense cool.
0: because we really want to keep the work as local as possible. Yeah. And the help as no, local as possible. So yeah. You know, instead of me flying over there all the time, which I love doing and I wouldn't mind doing more of, mm-hmm. uh, but it makes a lot more sense that a local person who understands the CNMI government and how they work, as well as federal right. contracting, would be assisting their people.
1: Yeah, and that stands for, uh, for those of you who aren't from this region, the Commonwealth right. of the Northern Marianas Islands. Yeah. yeah, so it's really cool that that this whole region, all of these islands, um, it's really, really nice work, and they're able to also tap into federal grants. U.S. territories are able, so if even if you're in... Um, Puerto Rico or different territories, you're able to tap into federal monies. Outside of that, it becomes a little convoluted. But we, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> it's That's basically yeah, yeah, having a U.S. address and that sort of thing, right? So, well, yeah. Um, so
0: going back to um, what our program is allowed to assist with, we actually um, so we have an association of PTAX. There's something called APTAC, okay. the association, and mm-hmm. they have a an, a website and an email address, and they constantly get emails from people in foreign countries that want help with the duns and sam and you know mm-hmm. technically according to our grant we're not allowed to assist them during working hours
1: right right
0: So we actually have a squad of about four to five maybe six ptacs that are helping those uh those requests and we got to do it after hours so.
1: oh wow that's yeah. interesting. so we're,
0: we're getting an email from aptac for example i'll get an email i just got one yesterday and i'll say uh this person sent this in can you help them and i'll read through it and say oh yeah i can help them when I have the time, oh, I'll
1: go yeah, on your own time, so, yeah, set up your consulting business on the side. No, no, no actually... <laughs> But yeah, I know this is great. So definitely, um, I'll share those links in the show notes for you who want to, you know, see where your PTAC is located. usually um, oh, yeah, yeah. that you can they can assist you once again through that grant so uh it's free for you while you pay for it with your tax dollars like boris was saying so yeah take advantage of that because this is something where if you get you know against some of these just basic questions you don't want it to hold you back right you want to be able to advance and get through this pretty quickly especially when you're like there's a grant due in a couple months and i need to get through all this stuff so i can make sure and i highly recommend as soon like if you don't you don't have this done yet you don't even know any grants that are, you're available for it or that you're looking at right now, just do this process, right. do this process now. Yeah. So then you have it ready um, yeah. because it can, like I was saying, I've seen this take months. I've seen yes. it take a matter of weeks. I've seen it, you know what I mean? It's all over the map yeah. because once again, it is it this is. grant funded. You're not directly like paying someone to do this, right? So you have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> <to> like <laughs> you got to wait, you got to do it at you know the the federal government's timing for this. So really, really important to get this done as soon as possible, um, because you can see there's a lot of things that are just just nitty gritty that might get thrown yes. at you and then get you held up, and it's just it's frustrating as all get out. But you know, it's, so that's why hopefully this podcast will help people so that they don't <laughs> get thrown against the wall with this and yeah. have these huge delays, right? So yeah, this is so If fantastic.
0: I could just add to yeah. that. So if you're yeah, out, here, sure. out here, out here on Guam, CNMI, mm-hmm. applying for DUNS number is going to take one to two days.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then getting in the getting the CAGE code from SAM, if you have all your information, right? You got your EIN number, you got your DUNS number, you know all your NAICS codes and all that stuff that you're going to use. That process has taken two to three weeks, sometimes four weeks now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's more of a delay. And, the, and, and
0: if, you go, yeah. so if you go to the SAM website, I believe it says something like seven to 10 days. That's yes, right. not happening. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. It
1: is way behind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So do this. Do this now. You have to have your cage code to apply for a federal grant, and you need yeah. So you need to have all this process done. And to bid done. on a federal contract. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to bid on a federal contract, you definitely have to have this as well. So it's really important. And once again, all of these things are. F- free, unless That's you're it. paying a consultant to help you. But you right. are able, the, Sam's never going to ask you for money. DUNS is never going to ask you for money. Neither is EIN. So if you get an email from any place that says, oh, I'm sam.gov and I'm asking for money, that is a scam. So
0: <laughs> you want right, to right. make sure. So there's a little tip. We can give, give mm-hmm. a little tip out there for that. If there's an email, if you get an email, just look at the email address that the, mm-hmm. from the sender. If it ends with a .gov or a .mil, DLA will be .mil.
1: Military. Um,
0: it's fine. It's legit.
1: Okay. Anything
0: else though, .com, .net, .info, .org, not legit.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's a great tip. That's awesome. All right. So anything else for people to know as they go through the system? Now they got their stuff updated, they're renewing annually. Is there anything else that they need to know through, you know, once they get a contract or a grant that they might need to do with this process?
0: No, I think, I mean, that covers it. Yeah,
1: Pretty good. Just keep your information
0: up to date, like you said. And if there's any changes, make sure you change your information that's in SAM.
1: Great. Anything you'd like to add to this, Boris?
0: No, that's great. Thank you very much for having me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I so appreciate you. Yeah. And just for all you listeners and watchers, we will have all the information in the show notes. We have a lot of links for this one. So please do check it out. A lot of steps. I know this is very kind of techie and kind of heavy. Yeah. And a part of it is just, you kind of have to do it to really understand everything we're talking about. Right. But um, uh, yeah, but this could help you as you're going through that process to kind of listen to again while you're going through it to make sure, oh my gosh, I'll do my articles. What is my name under my articles? does it also match you know everything else I'm putting in the system my same address that sort of thing I would say those are the biggest things that we can help you with as far as moving forward because that's personally what I've seen the biggest hang-ups and delays in getting the cage code so exactly
0: yeah
1: and you too right you see that's a major thing Yeah, no,
0: you you hit it right on the head there
1: yeah Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, once again, for those of you who are regional um, in Guam, Sina, area, please do take advantage of PTAC. Get a hold of Boris. I'll have his information there. And if you're looking at applying for federal contracts, do get a hold of him, become one of his clients. It's totally free. And he is amazing. Like I said, he's one of my experts in the region here. And uh, yeah, totally great. Just hook up there and make sure that you can get all your processes done. They are great. Your whole team is awesome. I love that you guys will sit down with us. You'll actually like open the computer. Computer and go step-by-step step yep. with us through this process, which is awesome and totally amazing. So please do check them out. Yeah. All right, thanks, Ollie. Thank you so much again for being on the show and I'll see you soon. <laughs> sure. right. Do you wanna join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the tribe, and discounts on grant services. Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership.
0: Thank you for listening to this Grant Writing and Funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com.